When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Strange Familiars. How you doing tonight, Allison? I'm doing well. You ready to answer some questions? Depending what they are. <laughs> you haven't seen them yet. No, you always make it like a big reveal. You get to know all, like think about your answers and be thoughtful, and then you just totally put me on the spot. <laughs> I don't know if I've thought about my answers at all. Well, you should I've have seen, an idea. I've seen You've the seen questions. the questions. That's a... But I don't know that I've actually like put any thought into them okay. until, until we go to answer them tonight. Before we get going, I just want to mention the Witch Cloud is now available from our Etsy shop as well. You can get it on the Stonebreath Bandcamp, stonebreath.bandcamp.com, or you can get it from our Etsy shop. Link is in the show notes. If you get it from Etsy, you will get a download code. You're still going to have to get that download of the audio from Bandcamp. But if you prefer to get it on Etsy, that's fine. It'll come with a little download code, and you can download the audio separately. I just put up a Stonebreath vinyl set on Etsy. It's, I think, like eight different records vinyl records, 7 inches, 5 inches, and 12 inches from Stone Breath and related projects, each with a signature and a remark on the cover. So I did a little drawing, pretty cool set I put together, some rare stuff in there, like our 7-inch with Fit and Limo. I saved one of the, the lathe cuts, the Black Happy Day lathe cuts from the Witch Cloud project. You can see that in our Etsy shop as well. So it's uh, it's like eight drawings, eight, you know, little drawings, remarks, all signed, and uh, and eight records you can get all at once. That's in our Etsy shop as well. Shop name's Lost Grave. Link is in the show notes. If you type in Strange Familiars, you should see our stuff pop up anyway, though. And uh, Department of Truth number 15 should be coming out soon, I think maybe in the first week of the new year. I don't know. In any case, you can order my variant cover, directly from Riverbend Comics. It's the only place you can get it. It's still available to pre-order. Go to riverbendcomics.com. Again, the link for that is in the show notes. All right, let's get into this here question and answer session, Allison. 
I really think you should have renamed it Riddle Me This. Oh, that would... That's what the name of this episode is going to be. Okay. Absolutely. That is... Ah, why didn't I think of that before? Okay. This comes from Joshua G. on Facebook. And he wants to know our current favorite albums. Both of us. They don't have to be new. Because I don't have any new ones. <laughs> I know. <laughs> they can be old. Currently something that we're listening to a lot, you mean? Yeah, like, yeah, your current favorite albums. You first. My all-time favorite album, which I think I mentioned before, is C.O.B. And that is not the metal band Children of Whatever. <laughs> it is a folk band from the 70s. It was Clive's original band or Clive's own band. And an album called Moisha McStiff and the Tartan Lancers of the Sacred Heart. It is folk perfection, as far as I'm concerned. It's, it's raw, and it's creaky, and it's earthy, and just perfect. It's a, it's a perfect record by a band that was, that was nearly perfect in its imperfection. I mean, there's, there's bruises and bumps and splinters and creaks all over the thing, and it's just wonderful. I absolutely love it. So that's my all-time favorite record. Uh, lately, I've been listening to Stick in the Wheel. It's another folk band from the UK. They have a new album out, and I don't remember the name of it. But uh, you know, I've been—I kind of listen to to all their albums at once. If I listen to one, I tend to just put them all and and just listen to them. They they do a combination of like uh, modern interpretations of of traditional songs and ballads, and I think they have some originals in there as well. In any case, I've been enjoying them a lot. And what else has been on my listening pile lately? Oh, I listened to Love the other day. Which is, that's my favorite. So my, my favorite album album of all time is Moisha McStiff. If I have to pick a favorite rock album, Love Forever Changes. It's just this timeless album. Uh, you you kind of have to get over that sort of like, it has that sort of 60s. There's just, there's a lot of 60s production value. Yeah. The same way that like a lot of that Nico stuff just has like that. It's not like the wall of sound kind of thing, but it's sort of like the wall of instruments. Like it's, yeah. It's got a lot going on. Mm-hmm. And if you're not used if you're not ready for the trumpet, I think <laughs> you gotta be ready for the trumpet. But I just I mean that album is just oh the song. And no one cooler than Arthur Lee. It's so good. So good. So uh yeah, that's that's what I've been listening to lately. And you Allison? Um I yeah, I go through phases throughout the year. I, I um because I never allowed myself to listen to this before, like I had a a thin Lizzie or for our Irish friends, a Tin Lizzie <laughs> phase earlier in the in the springtime, which I quite enjoyed as well. Yeah, I was yeah. like, I never would have let myself listen to that previously, <laughs> but I re- I really enjoy like just people who are just amazing quality rock. I feel like most of the best genres are just good rock music, you know, whether mm. it's 50s, 60s, 70s. And then um, I'm trying to think of what else. Well, I'm revisiting one of my favorites in the car right now, <laughs> and that is a band called Care, which is an offshoot of the Wild Swans from the 80s. It's like maybe the, the most synth poppy thing you could ever listen to, but with Paul Simpson from the Wild Swans and Ian Brody from the Lightning Seeds, a little offshoot band that they did in the 80s that didn't get very popular, but should have spectral elitism from patreon and i'm sorry 
on Patreon and on Discord, people use handles. I don't always know the names of the people that that use you know the handles. Yeah, and sometimes like you're like, oh, you're that person. I have no idea. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I apologize for that. The spectral elitism on Patreon asked Tim, "Who would you rather go camping with, <laughs> a flesh and blood Bigfooter or an all-out skeptic?" You've been camping with me, so <laughs> I'd say I. It would really depend on the extremity of either's belief. I think a really diehard skeptic would be annoying. <laughs> and I think a really like diehard flesh and blood person would be equally annoying in that sort of like strident way that, that they're just not going to accept anything else. They don't want to even hear anything else. So, you know, it's a big depends on how, fo- how skeptical and, and how flesh and blood they are, I suppose. And how cute, really. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew L. asks, do you each have a favorite item or a handful of items that you own? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're just going to, yeah. Yeah, I do. Mm -hmm. No, you go first, Tim. Again? I have to go first. Um, Let me think. It's hard because I'm a collector, right? Yeah. So I have a lot of stuff I like. Like, can I just count everything in a particular collection as one thing? (laughs) (laughs) It wastes a handful of items, so I guess it depends how big a handful. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, this is this is kind of sad, but I think I think before I would say certain banjos, mm-hmm. but I can't play them anymore, so it's kind of it's kind of hurtful. Yeah, you know, I mean, I hope I can sort of play. I don't know; it's hard. Well, I certainly like of the books I have. I have a first edition Parsifal illustrated by Willie Pogany. That's really, really beautiful. It's like one of the most beautiful illustrated books I've ever seen in my entire life. And I absolutely love that. But like, so this collection of ballads that's sitting right here kind of means more because Tom Rapp gave it to me. Mm-hmm. You know, they're not originals, you know, they're reprints, but it means a lot because Tom gave it to me. So it's it's odd, you know, it's kind of like different things for different reasons. You know, I love that there's a print behind me hanging on the wall signed by... Alan Lee of Merlin as Wildman. That's one of my favorite pieces of artwork I've ever seen. I certainly love that. And that's pretty special, but I don't know. You know, I don't know. I'm not fearful to admit that I surround myself with, with stuff and probably too much stuff. <laughs> I think that applies to both of us. Yeah. Okay. So what, what about you? Um, yeah, I know. Like it's like the difference between something that's sort of unique and hard to find and things that are deeply sentimental right yeah exactly because like i could find those ballad books anywhere you know i could go order them from amazon tonight and have them but those are the ones tom gave me you know yeah i, I mean it'd probably be i have some photos by the photographer where i volunteer so i'd say they would probably be some of my favorite things yeah those are neat too because you have it's like a multiple connection they're artful things yeah. They're well-done photos, and they're artifacts of a time, and they're connected to this place, too. So Yeah. I'd say they, that would probably be, I mean, just like, and then I also have a um, photograph album that was owned by one of the Pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood, which is probably, like, my most insane thing I've ever gotten accidentally on eBay. Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> I like things that sort of send you on a journey, and with that, I got to go to the Delaware Art Museum and talk to the curators about some of the 
the photographs inside of it. So that, you know, anything that leads you on a journey is probably a good thing to say. Yeah. For that matter, you know, something like that William Woodruff photo you got me, you know, kind of opened up this, this whole doorway. Yeah. Yeah. And like my, now that I'm thinking about um, my blind Joe. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of my favorite things too. Yeah. There are a lot of photographs and things that are really special. Follow-up question from Andrew. Are there any items in the world that you would love to own, but don't or can't? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> in particular, the, the, the one that haunts me most, a few years back, and this is before I had friends in Ireland, there was an auction in Ireland of a skull, of a saint, of a particular saint. They were auctioning the skull off. I believe it went for three or $4,000. Not, not that expensive. And for the ours. for a human head, mm-hmm. that's not that bad, especially a saint's head. <laughs> that's the one that will I think will always haunt me. That one's like oh, because I, I had no way to get it. I had no way to to bid on that or to get it. Or I don't, you know, I probably honestly didn't have the money for it. But still, that's the one that that like really haunts me. That's the one that's like oh, that would have been like what a story that has. You mm-hmm. know that that item has. What about you, Allison? Oh, there's a million photos that either have gotten away from me or I've seen in museums that I'd love to own. But the good thing about all that stuff is there's always something around the corner. Yeah. Yeah. I think you've made some amazing discoveries in your accidentally (laughs) in your your photo missions, you know, your your photo explorations, your photo research. And a third question from Andrew. This is Allison or Timothy for that matter, but this is directed at Allison. Have you ever stumbled across an antique that had very bad vibes? You should ask our children. <laughs> our our children are convinced can... we caused the pandemic by bringing a monkey paw into the house. Okay, so it was like the Monday before the world ended, right? On that, like that Friday, the 13th of March or whatever. So mm-hmm. I, we're sitting at an auction. I was like, oh, I should probably get this monkey's paw. <laughs> <laughs> They're convinced we caused the pandemic and... You keep bringing home like cursed. They they call them cursed objects. I yeah, I just keep, call them like African masks and dolls sort of, from other. They're traditions. probably just non-specific tourist items. If we have to be, but the the children are convinced that we have. I think were they the one that you said caused. They said caused the Omicron variant that you brought in. But that's our children. What about you? Do, is anything that ever given you bad vibes? Um. Not bad vibes so much, but there's certainly photos that I thought, like, this isn't really meant for me to look at. This was for a family or a police officer or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just things that would be difficult to look. I wouldn't say anything really has bad vibes. Mm-hmm. Uh, for my part, it's kind of like people ask me, like, aren't, aren't you afraid you're going to bring something home from these investigations? Not really, and maybe I'm I'm naive on that part, but I I do feel protected for many reasons. So I don't. I don't worry about that aspect of things. I worry more about ticks and yeah, hunt a virus and <laughs> yeah, yeah, even lice. You know, like <laughs> Kate G from Patreon asks, to the best of your recollection, what was the most fun that either of you have had, and would you do it again? Like ever? Yeah, I guess so. Fun, fun. This shouldn't be like. <laughs> A, a difficult question that trips you up. Like, yeah, I know. It's uh, like as an adult, like, or ever. I guess ever. Okay, you go first. <laughs> Why do I have to keep coming first? Um, to give me time to think. You've seen the questions before. Yeah, but I didn't think about them. I just printed them out. 
Uh, let's see. There's been some road trips that we've done that I had a lot of fun on with you when we visited P in Massachusetts. I just remember those just being just general good times. Like when I think about like touring, while there were good times in the tours, like when I was touring for music, I wouldn't call the tours like a good time. Like you know, it fun. <laughs> yeah, there was like a lot of stuff within there that, that made them not fun. But, you know, we did a couple road trips together that were really a lot of fun. Um, and then just like, I can't even name like specific days, but there are days that we've had, you know, either as a whole family or even just the two of us, we kind of have this routine we do on Fridays where we, we hit a couple antique shops and a couple junk shops regularly. And then we, we try to go to like one or two different ones. And sometimes it's just, I just have so much fun doing that. You know, it's just, but I can't name a specific day. It's just like, yeah. you know, like a couple random days here and there. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like when you do something over and over again, it becomes a sort of like composite memory of yeah. all the times you've ever done something that you really enjoyed. Yeah. Maybe like, um, I'm trying to think of like a concert or something maybe that I would have thought was like a lot of fun. It's like you almost have to have every event lined up mm -hmm. in front of you. I know there'll be something later on. I'll be like, why didn't I say that? Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but generally, I'm like, I don't know that um, people think of me as like a fun person. <laughs> like, I like the buzzkill every time. And the second part to that question is, would you do it again? It's like, sure, it was fun. Yeah, but I'm not like... I, but it's, it's, yeah, because neither one of us have anything like, oh, that time I went skydiving. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's like I don't have anything like that. I have nothing adventurous at all. Like, not in that sort of scary way where like, yeah. I conquered some sort of fear and did something. Yeah. I don't know. I like people. I like my memories with people. So so I'm referencing, like, the times that, say, you know, I've been at Site 7 or Pandemonium or whatever, and I've had these, like, pretty meaningful experiences with the other. They're interesting, and they're they're fun, and they're exciting, but they don't compare to me as those times of like real human connection where you're just just connecting with a, a human and you're just having fun or something like that. You know what I mean? So Yeah, yeah. And I don't want to trade any of these experiences, but that's why for me, like some of these like Fridays, we call it Friday fun day. Some of these Friday fun days would just trump those. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Because it just seems to be more more of a human experience, I guess. Yeah. We're living out our Sanford and Son destiny. <laughs> I don't know which one of us is which. <laughs> <laughs> Nazumi from Patreon asks, will Allison ever get to see the lights at Site 7? No, she's not allowed. I've been. <laughs> <laughs> you want to go see the lights at Site 7, Allison? If you can guarantee me they'll be there. I can't guarantee you can anything. you guarantee me I'm not going to get hurt or... You won't get hurt. Arrested? No, not for the one The one place we're fine. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go sometime this winter. Okay. okay. All right. Lunar Saint Press from Patreon asks, Tim... Would you ever do an acoustic song or two in the woods as an offering? For example, I wonder how the lights at Site 7 would react if you sang a tune. Yes, uh, we've talked about doing this before. Uh, I would like to do this. I had planned to record a series of live albums. In fact, the first of them is Live Alone 1. It's on my band camp. It's recorded at the Haunted Church in Columbia. And I plan to do a whole series of those. And I just got busy with other stuff. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to arrange these things. And now that 
I'm down to playing instruments with four strings or less. I kind of have to shift that and reorganize it, but uh, I could still do that. But yeah, we were, we were going to, you know, do some things like that. We were also going to take Wildnisgeist to some of these places and play that sort of like what people do with call blasting, you know, supposed Sasquatch calls. We were going to do that with Wildnisgeist as well and see if we got any reactions. So we definitely have plans to do things like that and should in the future. Matt M. from Patreon asks, how does your earlier interest in magic and the occult inform how you view and interact with the other? So that's for me. So one of the things I took from my time with the Illuminates of Thanateros was they had a principle where one person was assigned to always question everything, no matter what. So any decision the group made or the, or the, the leader of said group made, one person was assigned to always question it. That was their job, to question it. And I find this so valuable, uh, not just in dealing with the other, but in dealing with life, that I have taken this to heart. If you listen to the patron episode with Brother Richard that we released, you heard me talking with him a little bit about it, that I think it's important to question everything. And if someone or something gets upset or anxious because you're questioning them, that's usually a sign to question some more. So the way I apply that, I think, to the others is to always kind of be questioning, to not accept. If you've read The Witch Cloud, I, I go into a lot of like questioning, like what ghosts are, and are, are they really the spirits of, the, of deceased people? I did the same thing in my journey with Bigfoot. You know, I started out thinking this is some kind of undiscovered animal, and I kept asking questions. And the questions I asked were like, you know, what does it eat? Where does it go? And I keep asking questions and keep asking questions. And that led me to this, this I don't know place, where I'm, uh, which I'm very happy being at, by the way, because no one knows, no matter who says. So I think that's the main thing like I, I took from that time and applied to not just to my dealings with the other, but to my dealings in life in general. Zoe from Patreon asks, what are both of your astrological signs? Please, I've been trying to guess for years. Allison is a Leo, and I am a Virgo. I think, I think she guessed yours. Really? I'm, I think so, because I think, I think she came back and commented and said, think Allison's a Leo. That might be the first time anybody's ever guessed that. Starleaf on Patreon says, I love your show, and my favorite episodes are the outdoor expeditions. So much so, this has inspired me. What kind of recording gear do you use? Do you have any advice for someone who wants to go into their own local state parks and start exploring? So Chad and I both carry with us a Tascam DR05X digital recorder. Make sure to get a windscreen for whatever, whatever digital recorder. I, the Zoom ones are supposed to be good, too. I bought a Tascam because... I've used Tascam in music recording over the years, and I've always found them to be just really tough and like like built like tanks. And and I do beat these things up when we're out. Like they, I drop them, I crack, <laughs> crack them into stuff, and I've not broken one yet. So that's why I chose Tascam. But the Zoom ones, from what I hear, the Zoom ones are just as good. But I just haven't tried one yet. Whatever one you get, you want to get a windscreen. You can buy windscreens for the mics, and that will cut down on noise from wind otherwise you're going to get a lot of it looks like a troll doll head it does 
advice for someone who wants to do this on their own is look into local folklore as much as you can. I've said it a million times. Folklore is not fiction. Folklore can be fiction, but it is not in and of itself fiction. And a lot of times these stories, these local folklore stories will lead you to the right areas to go experience this stuff and uh, to find other stuff as well. That's my advice to anyone who wants to start digging into this stuff. Pia from Discord asks, Allison, are you going to do more historical stories? Please do. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah, those are my favorite to do, so I would love to. Yeah. Continuing, Timothy, are you going to travel outside Pennsylvania to track down an encounter or to attend a conference? I have traveled outside of Pennsylvania to attend a conference. I was at Strange Realities in Tennessee in 2019. I may or may not be going to a conference in Wisconsin. I'm kind of waiting and seeing how Omicron goes and all this stuff. I've been vaccinated. I've been boosted, but I am considered immunocompromised because I'm on immune-regulating drugs for my MS. So I I can't play around. I kind of have to take this stuff seriously. I missed a bunch of conferences I wanted to do in the past couple of years, like Crypticon and so forth, and some other ones, because they're inside. And I don't know really if it's safe for me to be inside with a bunch of people. I did, uh, what was it, Cryptid Bash or whatever down there in West Virginia. But you were able to be outside. But that was outside, yeah. And then we always do... Uh, we did Alba Twitch Day. Alba yeah. Twitch Day. So yeah, I've done some conferences outside the state. I plan to do more, but it's just, it's kind of like a, I have to pick and choose what I'm going to do. There's a big question mark over all this stuff. There's an I don't know. Like, I was asked to be on a television show last year, pretty big TV show, and I just, I didn't want to get on a plane and fly to Los Angeles, you know? It's, I just don't know how to handle this stuff because it's not worth, to me, it's not worth getting COVID, you know, to go to a conference or to be on a TV show or, or whatever. So I'm kind of just going with my gut a lot of times, like, ah, it doesn't feel right right now to go to this. So, um Yes. The answer is yes. We have plans on going to Ohio to track some stuff down that uh, I really want to dig into. That has been superseded by some more things in other parts of Pennsylvania, which I really, really want to dig into as well. But the answer to both is yes. Yes, I will go outside of the state to do those things. Where did you two go to school and when? <laughs> a long, long time ago. I went to like college. I went or? to elementary through high school in Baltimore County, Maryland. Let's so say. you guys just like sit around and drink like water with Old Bay in it or something? What in Maryland? Yeah. I, you know, the goal Do you put, is like Old Bay around the rim of your natty bow or something. Th- that <laughs> the, the goal is to get so much Old Bay in your food that you n- you don't have to worry about putting it in your drink. Oh, okay. Just so much Old Bay. Oh, it's so good. I love Old Bay so much. And then college, I went to a community college because I could afford nothing else. And then I went after that, I went to the University of Maryland, Baltimore County, which I uh, I'd never got a degree from. <laughs> I'm, I'm like three credits away from my four-year degree. But uh, At this point, I'd say it's maybe time to give up that dream. I use none of it. So there you go. Well, I guess I, I mean, I had a fine, my, my two-year degree is in fine arts. So maybe, maybe I use that. I guess, kind of. Everything you learn is part of your education. Mm-hmm. And Allison, do you want to answer where you went to school? Round here. <laughs> Round here. York County. <laughs> yeah, that'll do. 
You briefly went to college in New Mexico. Briefly, yeah. Yeah. Have either of you dated a famous person? I mean, other than me. <laughs> <laughs> have I dated a famous person? No, I've not. I've uh, not no. dated a famous person. How old were you two when you became interested in punk, goth, and paranormal stuff? So those are three different answers. <laughs> Allison, how old were you when you were, became interested in punk and goth? Like a, you know, like a teenager. Teenager? Yeah. You were pretty young, yeah. yeah. You had a pretty cool college radio station that, that turned you on to a lot of stuff, right? I did. I got really lucky in that I was bored and I would just play around with the radio and just keep moving it around until I found something interesting and eventually found... Um, local college radio station and that was back in those days pretty eye-opening now one of my older brothers was into this stuff pretty early on like i tell the story of before i even knew what joy division was i re i just remember the sound of ian curtis's voice being played in the farmhouse when i was young to the point where later when i started listening to joy division i was i was very familiar with it with the sound of it not necessarily like i didn't know the words or anything but the sound of it was so familiar because I had heard it being played in the farmhouse. I remember my brother being upset when Ian Curtis killed himself. I remember that very clearly. But I was not into that at that time. I was... You're too little. You were a little kid. It was a little more subtle, you know? I, I was like, uh, I wanted dragons and stuff, you know? I wanted uh, Black Sabbath and whatnot. So I got interested in punk through zines, really. Because my other brother started doing a skateboard zine, and he let me draw the cover for it. And that was the coolest thing that ever happened to me. And I've said it before, it, it probably set the course of my entire life. Like that moment, him asking me or letting me do that, and asking me to draw other pictures for the inside. And then punk was so associated with both the skateboard world and the zine world. And I did not skateboard. I just drew pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been good on the skateboard. I fell off of many skateboards, but I, I never really uh, mastered it. You know, I did get into m the music that was associated with it and zine culture. I started doing art for other zines and doing my own zines and stuff. And that was really big for me. So that was, you know, I would think I was probably 14 when my brother started doing a zine and started letting me do artwork for it. Now, I would have heard the music around through him and my other brother and stuff before that. Once I became involved in the culture of it, you know, that's when I started like really like, okay listening to the music in a deeper way and like going, okay, I, I like this music and I like that music. So 14 was probably, you know, 15, 16 by the time I really like got into it. But zines were it for me. They were my, my gateway in, I think. Paranormal stuff, again, I didn't know. It was just cool stuff to me. Like I didn't know I was interested in folklore when I was a kid. I just was interested. I wanted to know all the ghost stories and stuff, the local stories, the spooky stuff. You know, and I loved Bigfoot when I was little. I loved UFOs and stuff. I loved In Search Of. So, you know, at a very young age, as long as I can remember, you know, I've loved that kind of stuff. Frank on Patreon asked, do you have any parenting wisdom you feel called to share? No. <laughs> <laughs> are, are we allowed to swear on this episode? Or is, oh, no, sure. This is, go ahead. Swear. Oh, no, it's not. No, That's right. No, this it's is, not a Patreon this, episode. Yeah, it's not a Patreon episode. I was going to paraphrase RuPaul. <laughs> What's that? Don't F it up. <laughs> I remember when our kids were little, like little, like toddlers. I remember some of our friends saying, like, like your kids don't talk like other kids, like talking to little adults. And the reason was, I, I think that I, 
I never talked down to them. I never, like, I played with them. I did kid stuff with them. But I always talked to them like a human being, like another human being. I mean, of course, when they were babies, you know, Gucci, Gucci, Goo or whatever. But, you know, once they started talking, I, I talked to them like I would talk to you or anybody else. So I think maybe that contributed inside. I don't know if that's right or wrong. I don't know if that's advice, but that, that's something we did that seemed to work for us and our kids, I guess. I don't know. The other thing I'd say is that everything's temporary. You know, like whatever struggle, whether it's potty training, reading, math, whatever it is, it's temporary and they're on to a new thing and you're on to a new thing before you remember why you were so upset about it. Mm -hmm. And no one asks your kid when they're an adult, when they learned how to read, when they were potty trained, or what grade you got in eighth grade math. So, (laughs) Yeah. A lot of stuff is pointless. I mean, there's another bit of wisdom that comes from you, Allison, that I think very important. We had a house in another town that we sold, and I was there doing like the final like walkthrough and cleanup kind of thing. And I called you like very upset because that's the house that we first brought our kids back to. And I was, I was like, oh, I'm so upset. And, you know, I can't believe it that, you know, that this time is going to be gone and, and the kids are growing up and this and that. And, and, and you said something to me, you said, which really, really kind of set in a good way, kind of set in my heart. And you said, they're supposed to grow up. That was really wise to me. And it, and it's informed me going forward from that moment in the way I think about kids. It's like, yeah, I can get lost in the in nostalgia. The only thing I ever get nostalgic about is, is times with our kids in the mm-hmm. past. And I can get lost in that and I can get sad for those times are going. But that idea like, no, they're supposed to grow up is very important. And that has, has helped me, you know, parenting, like from that moment going forward. So it was a very wise thing you said. What has being a parent made you learn about yourself that I was previously and, and can still be, unfortunately, a lot more selfish than I thought I was. I think being a parent will slap you upside the head and make you realize that you can't be selfish, you know, or, or, you, or you shouldn't be anyway. I'm not, I'm not free of that. I don't think anyone is, you know. No one is. No. Yeah. You have any? Oh, that you can do hard things probably. Mm-hmm. You can get through things you didn't think you could. Yeah. You can do things for your kids that you could never do for yourself and... It's a lesson that if you can do it for your kids, you probably can do it for yourself. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Kevin on Patreon says, I'm starting a business called 89 Days to the Perfect Puppy. Can I advertise on your platform? No, absolutely not. I'm sorry. 90 days. I think we all know that that extra day is pivotal in the relationship building process. Like you wouldn't cut out on anything early. 
90 days beat you to the punch and we're I don't think we we have any other uh, dog trainers on I think that would be a conflict of interest. <laughs> also, you're just setting yourself up for 88 days to the perfect puppy <laughs> to come along. <laughs> Michael B on Patreon asked, if you can only take one trip/vacation in the world, where would it be and why? Oh, only one. Um Switzerland, I think. Yeah, I want to go to the is it Hallstatt? Yeah. Yeah, that's where I would like to go to see the perfect little towns and the yeah with the skulls with the pe- painted on them mm-hmm. and oh then switch it's just so beautiful it's so beautiful I think it's I mean maybe some sort of genetic memory yeah maybe. calling us back <laughs> Eleanor T on Patreon says hi thank you for so many hours of interesting content I was wondering what the person in the audio sample at the beginning of the podcast is saying and where that audio clip originates. I should put this on a fact somewhere because we get asked so frequently. It is a powwow doctor named Philip Smith. He's saying something along the lines of, they claim if our eyes were created a slight different from what they are, when we talk, you'd see flames of fire coming out of our mouth. That's a paraphrase. I I might not have the quote exact there. You can hear it in context on episode 100, which is where Allison's mother interviewed well she interviewed him back in the 70s so this was a powwow doctor a local guy in the 70s that allison's mom interviewed in was it or was it around 1980 i forget no it was in the 70s it was in the 70s she interviewed and recorded and generously gave us the tapes so it comes from him and he said some things in that interview i've also sampled him all over the the first stone breath record and it's way before digital technology you can hear because I'm like just recording the tape and, and stopping it. So you can, they're imperfect samples and stuff. So, um, yeah, we were really into Philip Smith for a long time. When I did the podcast and called it Strange Familiars, which is the name of the first Stone Breath record that I always loved and I always wanted to use it again, I thought it would be fun because we used his voice on the first Stone Breath record to use it again at the beginning of the podcast. And also, I think it's it's kind of a kind of a cool message for the things we're talking about here. Yeah, I do like that idea. It's good, even from not just a maybe like a spiritual or other kind of representation, but also from a um, you know just psychologically. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just you know turn the flip the lens another way, you can see things in a whole different way. Yeah, like that idea. It's very um, I think it's very hopeful. The next two questions are about research. So Katie from Patreon asks, what are your educational backgrounds? You two seem really good at research. Well, thank you. Some college (laughs) for me and a four-year degree for Allison, right? Yeah, but I come from people who didn't really have a lot of friends and like to sit around and do genealogy. So I think I learned how to do that in lieu of a social life. (laughs) And I'm just a completist nerd. Like I need to know like, if I get deep into something, I need to exhaust every possible thing I can about it. Yeah, I think, like, for both of us, and I don't want to speak for you, but a lot of um, our interests now are just, like, an outgrowth of what we used to do with bands and music. I think the approach is definitely the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where, I, like, I had to have every record. I couldn't just have a record by a band. If I liked them enough to buy one record, I needed all their records. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very similar to that. I didn't do a lot of research in college. I was an art major. I didn't do a lot of research there. I've developed research tools, and I'm tenacious about it. 
I don't tend to give up and you don't either. Like I, I know this. So like we're, we're similar in that way that we just keep digging and digging and digging. I've written two books about Toad Road. I think I'm going to combine them both into a hardcover, but I'm going to add stuff because I found stuff since those books Yeah, that I feel like, it, oh, no, this has to go in there. This has to go in there. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm going to add even more information. I'm always researching. And I'm always adding to. I still think it's possible we can solve the Jenny Beam murder. <laughs> we, we may. In fact. Stone Wilderness from Patreon says, hello, Tim and Allison. You guys always had the best and deepest research I've seen on a podcast. I was wondering what websites or resources you use to find out some of the old history about places or anomalous things in the area. I live in western Colorado, and I don't know if it's our lack of history compared to Pennsylvania or if it's the demographics and culture around here, but despite our strange geography, I'm struggling to find the strange here and would like to dig deeper. You guys are amazing. I love all your shows, and thank you. Like I said before, start with folklore, and if the folklore mentions a specific place, then find everything you can out about that place. Who owned property there? Who owned property around it? What else is around it? And oftentimes, you'll find, oh, wait, there's this other interesting story that happened right around the corner at this other place. And then you can start weaving these things together. I'd also say talk to old people. Yeah, if you can. (laughs) Yeah, if they're around. Yeah. Yeah, if you have access to some people who have seen things another generation that before your time, it's a good resource. And then I would say also archive.org has just an amazing amount of archive.org is amazing yeah they're fantastic you know what i just found on archive.org which like for a whole afternoon i was gone last week what's that (laughs) the basically all the issues of smash hits which is a a magazine that a lot of a lot of people read in the 80s that kind of plays into our our next question but uh, won't help much with uh, researching the other but no, archive.org's got great it's stuff. It's great for historical research because there's a lot of primary source material. It's not just overheard anecdotal things. There are a ton of newspaper archives online. The newspaper research is tedious. The Library of Congress has great stuff, but it's difficult to use. I find their, specifically their newspaper, not, not generally just the Library of Congress site, but the newspaper one is a little tricksy, I think. Chronicling America. Yeah, until you get the hang of it. The thing with newspapers is you're going to go through so much stuff that isn't what you want. Mm -hmm. Now, the thing about that with us is, so we'll just take, if I'm doing like looking for historical Bigfoot articles. So the the main search for that is wild man. So if I'm doing wild man search, that will bring up the things that I want, these encounters with, you know, what I believe are Bigfoot, but it will also bring up hermits and mountain men and uh, guys who got drunk in town. And, you know, all these things are going to be called wild men. But that said, you know, I certainly have developed an interest in hermits. So while I'm looking for Bigfoot, I might turn up an article about a hermit that I can use on the podcast 10 episodes down the line. And you might help me find something that's circus-related. Right. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, something circus-related might pop up. While Allison's doing circus stories, she might come across the story of a fortune teller or something that we can use down the road for the podcast. So we have the advantage of, you know, our research is like a funnel. So we cast this big net and then we funnel down. Like, so if, if I'm looking for one particular thing, I'm looking for that thing, but I'm finding, I'm finding ghost stories and, and other things that I can use alongside this other stuff. You know, that, that's the way research works, I think, for us. We'll find stuff like that. So folklore, 
archive.org, like Allison said, newspaper archives. Start- Find a grave is good too. Like if you're just looking for someone and you don't have access to like one of the paid ancestry sites, you can actually find a lot of information about people from yeah, Find a Grave. There's been Find a Grave. When we've talked about specific people, we've actually found articles on Find a Grave that we couldn't find on the mm-hmm. newspaper sites. So yeah. But if you're just looking for weird stuff, I'd say, you know, start with the folklore and combine that, you know, with other research. So if, like I said, if they mention a specific place in the folklore, you know, a specific road or a specific like little town or something, then that gives you an angle to start digging in more. And then for me, you tend to find more stuff that way. The other advice I would say is if it's interesting at all, even if you don't think it applies to what you're researching right now, clip it and save it. Because when you try to find it later, you'll never find it. Because Yeah, a lot of times there's been things that I found and I thought, well, this isn't related. And then three months down the road, I was like, oh, that was related. I need to find that again. So, Yeah, I always think of, um, we've probably talked about it before, but one of my favorite books is called Wisconsin Death Trip, mm-hmm. which they made into a, a movie what, maybe around the 2000 or so, something like that. But it's a guy who clipped all of these articles from the local paper in Wisconsin about all the horrible things that were happening in this one little town about the turn of the century. And so you get this idea that all of this, you know, horror and gloom and doom, death, disease, all this stuff is like some sort of modern thing. And then you see that there was weirdness and craziness and drunkenness and Mm -hmm. all the problems we have today have been around eternally. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, historical societies as well. If you have a local historical society, those are great. Some are better than others, but they're all great. <laughs> I found like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a great thing to just go in and just ask the people that work there who are so dedicated. I mean, they're usually volunteers and they just mm-hmm. want to talk. So mm-hmm. just start a conversation. I think that's a great way to talk or yeah. a great way to start. Anne H. on Facebook asks, have you seen Echo and the Bunnymen live? If so, where and how was it? No. No. <laughs> Brian M. on Patreon asks, Timothy, do you prefer open or closed back banjo? I can answer this for you. Yes, you can. It's open. It's always open. Open like my mind. I just like old banjos, and the oldest banjos had open backs. I, I like the sound of them better. There's a... Bassier. Yeah, there's like, like a, 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 a woodier, lower kind of tone to them often. Zach on Patreon says, hello, Tim and Allison. Merry Christmas. Yule and the Wild Hunt. <laughs> Love you folks in the podcast. Listen almost every night. It helps me sleep. Which, by the way, when people tell me that, I always consider that a good thing. Because the way I got into podcasts was I couldn't sleep. I was going through a particularly rough time in my personal life. And I would wake up at about 2 in the morning and just be awake and not be able to sleep. And I had heard about things called podcasts. I didn't even know what they were. And I looked them up and I found some way or another, I found Sasquatch Chronicles and it really kind of gave me my life back in a way. And then I was able to listen to this and get my mind off of what I was thinking about, what was troubling me, and get back to sleep eventually. That's how I grew to love podcasts in general, Sasquatch Chronicles in particular. So whenever anyone tells me the podcast helps them get to sleep, I'm never offended by that at all. I always take that as a compliment, and I feel like I'm paying it back a little bit. So I never mind that at all. This is kind of off topic, but I've heard Allison mention Prince and Pink Floyd. And kind of off the cuff implying some deep knowledge. No. Was just wondering what her favorite musical artist pre-1990 and yours, Tim, your favorite musical artist pre-1980 is. So I don't know why you get pre-1990 and I'm pre-1980. We're not really that different in age. (laughs) (laughs) But 
uh, so your your favorite musical artist pre nineteen ninety, Allison. I'm going to change the question up. What's your favorite pre nineteen ninety musical artist now, and what was it pre nineteen ninety? Now it's probably the Wild Swans, mm-hmm. and when I was a teenager, probably the Smiths. The Smiths. Mm-hmm. Um, so my favorite musical artist pre nineteen eighty again would be Cob Clive's own band. If I have to name another, it's going to be Leonard Cohen. Absolutely love Leonard Cohen. But in 19, like pre-1980, so I would have been nine years old <laughs> in 79. You know, I was born in 70. I, you know, I, I, like I said, anything with like dragons or like <laughs> monsters or anything in it like that. So, you know, it would have been, you know, probably metal stuff. I like the doors too back then. So I don't know. If you want to give me pre-1990... Uh, I mean, the answer is the same, you know. But if I, if you want me to pick a, an artist from the '80s, probably Killing Joke, even though they started in the '70s. Sarah A from Patreon says, "I'd love to know the Timothy and Allison origin story. How did you two meet? We were pen pals." Or as I just learned by looking at these old smash hits, and we'll have to ask some European friends if anybody's listening to confirm this. Are pen pals called biro buddies, or is that just something that they called it in that column? Mm-hmm. Like, is that the same thing as what we call pen pals? Yes, I don't know. I have not the answer. Yes, but, but yes, we were pen pals. Um, she was my favorite pen pal. <laughs> Kevin N on Patreon asks: Is there a podcast you would like to be a guest on but have not had the opportunity? Um, geez. Maybe last podcast on the left. I think that would be fun. Mm-hmm. I know they do interviews on their patron feed sometimes. So maybe that one. Although I haven't listened since they moved to whatever exclusive service they were on. I think they're coming back. They'll be available everywhere in February. I'm looking forward to that, to listening again. Very stubborn with that stuff. It's like, even though it's free on whatever app it was, like, <laughs> don't don't make me download an app. I'm not going to do that. So uh, I look forward to being able to listen to them again. But yeah, I, I think that would be a fun one to be on. Kevin also asked, how did you meet Brother Richard? I have not met him in person yet. I hope to at some point when I move to Ireland. Or or maybe I'll just visit. I don't know. <laughs> but Brother Richard simply wrote me an email. He He had listened to the show. And he said, you know, if you ever want to talk about the sort of way we handled this within with the the other by by this I mean the other the way we handled the other within the monastic tradition I'd be happy to talk with you and knowing nothing else about him and no clue what a fantastic guest he was going to be you know I said, yeah, sure I'd, I'd love to talk about that had him on I was very nervous I'm nervous a lot of times talking to people believe it or not as often as I do this you think like I don't get nervous but I do. I was nervous the first time, but he, he put me at ease right away and certainly one of the most wonderful connections I've made through Strange Familiars and one I very much value. Charlie C. on Facebook, are artists and musicians or creative people in general more likely to have paranormal experiences because they are right-brained opposed to more analytical left brain people? Or is it left brain people have the same amount of occurrences but rationalize it away and just do not talk about it. I would guess it's probably the latter, whereas I'm willing to see synchronicity. Other people may see coincidence, you know, and write it off as that. It may be as simple as that. That's the longer answer. The shorter answer is, I I don't know. Nate T. asks, 
With the Witch Cloud out, can we expect to see more mixed media videos, YouTube? Expect, I don't know, expect is a strong word. I would like to do more. I've talked with some people about doing some sort of, sort of kind of mini documentaries about some of the things we talk about. Chad and I have discussed doing uh, live streams maybe once a month where we would just go on YouTube or whatever and just do a live stream and whoever wants to, to come and hang out and ask questions, et cetera, can do so. I don't think you have any interest in doing that, do you? Doing like where I'd be on camera? Yeah. No, I wouldn't do yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, I didn't, I didn't think so. I'm not missing like half of my face or anything. I no, <laughs> no, no. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm... So, you know, we're, we're talking about things like that. The issue is finding time to implement this stuff. When I say this stuff, this is not me complaining. I absolutely love what I do. I love everything I do, but it takes a lot of time. If you hear an hour podcast, it, it wasn't just an hour of sitting down and talking. There's a lot that goes into that. It takes a lot of time. I'm way more particular about editing, I think, than, than some other podcasts are. That's not a cut on them. That's a fault on my part where I feel like I have to clip out every um and every stammer and so forth. So that's on me that it takes so much time to edit. I know, but for me, it's... it's sets my mind at ease because I know anytime I mess up, you'll just edit it out for me. <laughs> I, mean, I do the same for myself, you know, it, and it takes time to interview people. And, you know, I really love writing books and I'm really behind on the books I'd like to write. Uh, so, you know, th that takes time. I've been writing music again, such as it is, you know, I, I'd like to not give that up. So I have these different things. And when I add in anything else, it means literally taking away from something else that I'm already doing. Ideally, what I would like to do, and I, I think I found someone I can trust locally who can make these documentaries. Now, it's not my desire to appear on camera. I'm happy to just do the research and you know they can film the places or whatever, talk to other people. I don't have to be on camera. So that's not it. It's not about that. It's if, if I can find someone whose sort of creative vision matches my own if and when that can happen, and if I can hand the, the video aspects over to them and be confident that, again, that they'll put out something that's at least in tune with what I'm doing creatively, then I'd be happy for that to let them handle it. But we'll see. Yeah, there are plans to do all this stuff. Nate continues, do you think deep government disclosure of the Sasquatch cover-up conspiracy or extraterr extraterrestrial disclosure will happen first? Or third option, canine super soldier mutant dogman program comes to light? I don't know if you're kidding or not. <laughs> we live in, a, in the paranormal world, so you might be very serious about all this. I'm not making fun. My own view is there's no Sasquatch cover-up. I don't think the government has any deep inside knowledge on this stuff. I think those two guys that I write about that act as the, the, the men in black that come to Sasquatch Witnesses, I don't think they're government people at all. I think there's something weird that goes along with the phenomenon. I don't think the government has any deep inside knowledge on Bigfoot mystery. Extraterrestrial stuff, I feel <laughs> the same about. I don't think, I mean, maybe a little bit because the government is really interested in UFOs, it seems like. But my gut is they're interested in as much as they want to know what Russia and China has. And they're afraid that they might have technologies that we don't. And I think they're trying to crowdsource sightings so they can kind of figure out where these things are popping up and when. I don't think they have any 
knowledge of extraterrestrials or anything like that. Again, I could be wrong. I don't have any inside knowledge on what they know, but that's just my gut feeling. As far as canine super soldier mutant dogman, <laughs> I think that's more likely than a breeding population of dog-headed man-bodied animal things out there, but uh, who knows. So Alex W., who is a patron, but he asks on Facebook as well, I love that you produced an analog version of the Witch Cloud audio, that sweet record. Thank you, Alex. <laughs> it brings to mind the thought, if the other, be what it may, has a preference of revealing or communicating itself to us, the most convincing pieces of evidence for me have been analog recorded. The Patterson-Gimlin film, the Sierra sounds, the Paul Freeman footage. Even your cassette recording with the beeps comes to mind, Tim. What are your thoughts on doing a comparison study, analog and digital recording, on a future field investigation? I think that's a fantastic idea. My gut tells me that analog would be more responsive. I don't know why. Uh, maybe it's because of my personal experience with that tape you were talking about, Alex. But no, I think it's a great idea. I don't know if I have a good enough cassette recorder. I don't know if they, you know, I think I'd have to spend some real money to get a good enough cassette recorder that's going to pick things up. Maybe if I could come upon a battery-operated four-track, they, I think they made some, and I could plug a, another mic into that. <laughs> I might be able to do that. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely interested in doing it. I have a feeling that like, like for EVPs and stuff especially, that analog would, would yield better results. But I do not know. What are your thoughts on getting a wax cylinder? <laughs> I'm all for it. <laughs> I could be out there in the woods cutting a cylinder. <laughs> Instagram commenter asks, <laughs> I didn't forget this person's name down. Have you ever heard a believable Snallygaster report? That's kind of not my thing. I, s some of these creatures, like, people bring up like the Snallygaster and the Squonk as if they're cryptids equal to Bigfoot. In other words, as if, you know, people have actually seen these things and, and so forth. And I think there is like an old newspaper article or something that like one like Snallygaster sighting or something that may be along those lines. But there's a whole class of folklore creatures that are kind of goofier children's book characters that really aren't cryptids. And there's no hard and fast rule to tell which is which. The squonk is one. People always bring up the squonk, that thing that, that cries. It's supposed to be a from Pennsylvania. It's like, oh, that's that's Pennsylvania's biggest cryptid. I mean, are people really claiming to see this thing? <laughs> no, uh, no. So is it really a cryptid or is it just like a cutesy critter? Now, do I think people could start seeing the Snallygaster? Yes. So here we get into a whole different thing. Like a tulpa thing? Yeah, I think if people start going out and looking for the Snallygaster and putting serious thought and research into it, then maybe something could come of that. Same with the squonk, although I don't know why you would want to. <laughs> what can you explain what the squonk? The squonk is? is like this little, like wrinkly pig-looking thing that that supposedly cries itself to death. It's it's always crying. Uh, is it just a pig? It's like a, I don't know. It's it's a thing. It's like a, <laughs> I don't think people are seeing the squonk. I could be wrong. And maybe if people start going out and looking for the squonk, they will start seeing the squonk. Same with the snallygaster. You know, maybe it's because it's a Maryland thing and I'm in Pennsylvania. I just haven't invested that much Snallygaster energy. <laughs> Alice on Patreon asks, is Allison a creative type as well? Does she also sing, make music, or draw? I don't sing. I don't make music. And I don't really draw anymore, no. Used to draw. Yeah. But you are creative. You write. You have your creative outlets. <laughs> Last question. Jeffrey M. from Patreon says... I first want to thank you both for the show and for being such wonderful people. 
Oh, geez, thank you. My question is for both of you. I was wondering if you had a favorite subject matter for the show. And I would also like to request more in-the-field type shows. Thank you both so much. Favorite subject matter, Allison, for the show? Weird historical stories. Circus stuff? Not even that. I think my favorites have been the ones about the either people that went missing or... And the Jenny Beam. The Jenny stuff. Beam. Yeah. That's gonna all, I think that's going to probably always be my favorite story. Yeah. So I love every... You know, I, I kind of see the show in like these in, in three versions. I see it as an interview show where we do witness interviews as a weird history show where we do like the Jenny Beam stuff you were talking about, the hermit shows, circus shows, things like that, and on-site shows where, you know, I go out and record on-site. I love everything. I like the variety. I really like doing a variety. If you notice, I think that, you know, I've had the, the biggest run we'll have is interview shows. Where we'll have a bunch of interviews in a row, but I try to not do too much of any one thing in a row. I try to mix it up. We'll do a historical show, do an interview, do an on-site show, then we'll do an interview. Can't always get out on site. And sometimes we go out and there's, there's not enough for a whole show or there's not, not enough for any part of a show. So sometimes that doesn't work out. But I do like doing the on-site shows. They're exciting. They're fun. You know, I'm essentially getting a hike in yeah. while we're doing the show. I like doing those a lot. But, I, you know, I like all the show. I really do like, like all three aspects. I'm happy that we have that variety to do on the show. But if there's one I would like to do more of, I'd probably say I would like to do more on-site shows. Again, that's such a roll of the dice. I can't guarantee I'm going to, you know, I can go out more. That doesn't guarantee that there'll be more stuff captured to use for on-site shows. Well, thanks for all the questions, everybody. That was fun. Happy New Year. Yeah, I wanted to thank everybody for their support this year, especially in the spring. Everyone was really kind when we needed them to be. Yes. Yeah. And I've said it several times since. I said it on the show we did right afterwards. I am where I'm supposed to be. I fully believe that. And and I thank you all so much for your support. Thanks, everybody, for listening. This is our final 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy advertisement for the year, Allison. I'd like to wish all the graduates of the puppy program continued success. I know they have a firm foundation. I wonder how many graduates there were in 2021. Tina, can you let us know just a roundabout number if you don't know specifically how many graduates there were in 2021 of the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy program? And is there a valedictorian? (laughs) (laughs) The dog that learned to read. Yeah, 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 it's hard to beat. Maybe you got a dog for the holiday. Maybe you are planning on adopting a dog. Maybe you just spent a lot of time with your neighbor's dog. (laughs) Whatever the case, if you need help with training, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. They have a relationship-based approach to training that helps you and your puppy become perfect for each other. They have online sources, video lessons, a secret Facebook group. Of course, they have one-on-one options as well. You can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. Let them help you understand how your dog thinks and apply proactive training methods. So once again, you and your puppy can become perfect for each other. No matter what you need help with, 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy can help you. Again, you can find them at sithappens.us. Look for the 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy link at the top of the page. And thanks to 90 Days to the Perfect Puppy once again for sponsoring us in 2021 and onward to 2022.
Before we do our Curiosity of the Week, I want to thank Maynard W. and Jason W., unrelated, (laughs) who both gave us some donations this month. So thank you so much. It's a huge help. Another way you can help is by becoming a patron. Go to patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. All of our patrons get full extra episodes of Strange Familiars. We've been doing two every month. There are over 80 right now. Patron episodes, you sign up, you get those 80 and then more every month. Again, it's patreon.com slash strangefamiliars. So the curiosity of the week is another stereo view. It's too bad we didn't have this a couple months back when we did the Rainer Dines show. It is Reynard the Fox. This is stereo view. Oh, it's a great fox photo. Oh, he's fabulous. No animal that lives in the woods is handsomer than the fox. It's true. So I came upon these after we did the Reynardine show. I have two of these stereo views of Reynard the fox. I will put them both up. If you go to the show notes, you can see this photograph. If you click on that, it'll take you to our Etsy shop where you can purchase this and other curiosities of the week, those that are left. We continue to sell those pain tablets, Allison. There's only a few left. Only a few left. But you can still get them in our shop. Book restocks are coming this week. We're not out of any books, but we're low on stock. But restocks are coming this week. So we will once again be flush with books. So you can get all of my books in our Etsy shop. You can get Strange Familiars t-shirts there. I do sneak original artwork in there without announcing it sometimes. You did that today, didn't you? Yeah, I I did that a couple of days ago. Well, I, I kind of announced it, but it was to make a point that, hey, keep an eye on our shop because sometimes I sneak originals in there. That's sold, but when I do originals, I pop them up there sometimes on Etsy. There is that Stonebreast set I mentioned before. You can get the Witch Cloud on Etsy now, as well as on Bandcamp. And much more. Our shop name is Lost Grave. If you type in Strange Familiars, our stuff should come up, as I said. While you're on Etsy, make sure to check out our friends at Karmic Garden and Chad's shop, Ruck Rabbit Outdoors. I also wanted to thank, I forgot earlier when I was thanking people, I wanted to thank Fiddler's Green Publications. You can find them at fiddlersgreenzine.com. And they send out a Christmas publication every year to us. This year is called Tomton, the Lore of the Christmas Gnome. It's just beautifully printed, as all their stuff is. Uh, Fiddler's Green Magazine, I've done a cover for them, a couple covers for them in the past. Always beautifully printed. Their stuff is wonderful, wonderful stuff. So check them out at fiddlersgreenzine.com. I think that's it for 2021, Allison. All right, onward and upward. We put the year to sleep. Thanks again for listening, everybody. We'll be back in 2022. That makes it sound like it's so far off, but it's really just next week. End of the week. (laughs) (laughs) With more Strange Familiars. Strange Familiars is a production of Dark Holler Arts, music, books, art, podcasts, and more. Intro and background music is by Stone Breath. You can hear more Stone Breath and purchase music by Stone Breath at stonebreath.bandcamp.com, where you can also find The Witch Cloud, Strange Familiars, episode 300. Strange Familiars is on Facebook, facebook.com slash strangefamiliars, where you can join the Strange Familiars gathering group. We're on Instagram, at strangefamiliars, one word. And you can always find us on the web at strangefamiliars.org. Dot com. Sorry. Strangefamiliars.com. <laughs> just call me. I'll give it to you. I'll have them. I'll give you my number and you can just. <laughs> Strangefamiliars.com.
Time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.